The WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the... the what, what are we doing here? Oh, oh. the Weekend Gardener. That's... <laughs> <laughs> or, what, what garden are we going to? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. We may be going somewhere before the show's over, but... We'll, be well take, we'll try not to run it today. They'll be taking us to the home. Yeah, the last time that Gerald was on... Hey, don't blame it on Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald and Rufus were sitting in here, and I was standing out in the hall, and the show started... And I'm still standing out in the hall. <laughs> and so we uh, nabs, you, when uh, the microphones came on, you were discussing the pros and cons of eating nabs. But I think there were no no cons involved. I think they were all pros. So that's how it started. And we ended up talk, talking a lot about uh, when we uh, talked a lot about nabs at that hour. So <laughs> okay. Uh, a little plant, a few plants here and some nabs there. And Rufus has his. Boy, what a what a potpourri we got here. We got frescas, we got Dr. Peppers, we got Yahoos. <laughs> you Oh Yahoos are they abound everywhere. Yeah. I've been pronouncing them wrong us, all these years. Us you call them you <laughs> you And uh so everything. Uh, and you all right, Ann Clapp? Um, I think I am. All right. Well let me know by the end of the show and we'll We'll take tally there. Uh, Brother Rufus, I know, is doing well because he's uh, smiling and not wearing a, a sling. Is your arm feeling better? Well, she's feeling a lot better. I, uh, I'm in therapy, and, and their whole aim is to torture you beyond belief. <laughs> yes. Or Miss Griffin across the street, you say you're feeling pert today? Feeling pert, yeah. Yeah, my grandma used to say that, too. Yeah. Or as well as common. As well as now, that's common. That's a mountain saying. Yeah, yeah well. I never heard that as one well before. As well as common. We we don't say that down east. So, uh, Gerald Adams, as I mentioned, is here. Uh, the famous Gerald Adams. Yeah. The one that people bring cookies to. Yes, that was a. So you give advice for cookies now? Is I, that is I that can, the deal? Especially if the cookies are good enough. <laughs> oh, homemade. Okay. Homemade. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. It is Girl Scout cookie time, and they're good too. But uh, yeah, it's always yeah, nice like to homemade. have Girl in the Gosh, I ain't had homemade cookies, and I don't know when. I, I guess the, the thin mint is still 
the favorite. Yeah, that's uh, what I bought for uh, for Melissa with Thin Mints. Lemonades. Lemonades. My I don't Girl know. Scout cookie of preference. I just um, not much of a cookie person. I don't eat a lot of sweets um, anymore anyway. For some reason, I don't know. I guess I never have. But uh, I prefer. Uh, I like devil, homemade devil's food cake. Mm. I can make those, or a, a really good pound cake. Uh, or you say pound cake. Pound cake. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is uh, the late Jesse Ruth Cunningham's recipe out of the Ask Your Neighbor Cookbook, and uh, this is very delicate. There are no sad streaks in Jesse Ruth's recipe. Speaking uh-huh. of cookbooks, Mike, <clears throat> yeah. where are you with the weed <clears throat> gardener cookbook? I'm in the weeds, man. <laughs> I'm in the weeds. You know, we really should do that before uh, before I hang it up or somebody hangs it up uh, here. So I, I, I'll have to I'll have to get moving on that. But you know, I guess the pandemic is thrown a uh, and i'm not sure why i've just had my mind on those did i ever things. give you one of my cookbooks i had in i have one of your cookbooks yes yeah. i do that's I do cheaply have that. published with a little well if we had it. one it would be cheaply published too <laughs> yeah. so. uh, what do uh, you i mean yeah we we, we should um, we'll we'll start at some point soliciting and see if we get more than three or four okay. recipes but that I think that'd be good, Jason. You think that'd be a good idea? I can barely see you in there. You're in the dark. That's all right. That's okay. You can you just don't worry about the light. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three nine one nine eight six zero. Excuse me. WPTF. And you're listening to the Weekend Gardener. In case you were wondering what in the heck is going on this morning at eight twelve, uh, if you're you know, people get up later than they used to. Rufus, you would normally be getting up later than you oh, do yeah, on Saturdays, right? That, that's right. I I had enough of that getting up to milk the cows at, yeah. at 5.30 when I grew up. Right. Yeah, my father-in-law milked them at 3.30. Right. He had a big herd, too. But, um, Gerald, when do, you, when do you normally get up? Uh, 5.01 every morning, I have to. What about Saturdays and Sundays? I might would sleep a touch later on Saturday. Yeah. Might, but it's got so where I can't, I'll wake up anyway. Yeah, I wake up, but I can go back to sleep. But later than five oh one. Later than five oh one. But it has to be precisely five oh one. That's what I have it set for. It works out perfect. Everything I get to work about fifteen to ten minutes early. I'm usually the one that opens up the gate. And well, I was going to say you're the other one there. So, but all our people, all my crew, report in at six. So gracious goodness. Well, yeah. Well, you know the, the late Carl Castle, who was um, last year inducted into the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. He was from Goldsboro. I'd uh, worked at, down at WGBR, one of Mr. Curtis's stations, and uh, was on uh, NPR, National Public Radio, morning news guy forever. And uh, what was the name of the yeah, that, that game show quiz, that he did? Quiz show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, what, wait, don't tell. Yeah, wait, wait, don't tell. So uh, Carl, Carl said he got up at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> But he said he he got tired of that, so he gave himself a little extra sleep and got up at one oh one. He said one was just too early. <laughs> How about that? So nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. So Gerald, uh, 
you talked to this lady about her camellias, the the cookie lady. Yeah, from, from what the, kind of problems she had? It was funny. She had them in uh, her japonica ones. Didn't have it in her sasanquas. Uh, and I think she had two things going on. I, I think she had some fungus issues, but she clearly either had spider mites or scale into S- them. Scale li- seems to be the best thing. Yeah, that's the most common among yeah. them because the leaves just had some discoloring uh, in them. Uh, and I, I can't tell you why they preferred the japonicas over the sasanquas because the sasanquas were not far from them. They were pretty close uh, together. And... I think someone had tried to tell her she had, you know, sun scald, but it was nothing had changed. She didn't have less sun than she'd had, and the camellias were obviously pretty mature. They'd been there a while, uh, and uh, this, it didn't didn't look clearly didn't look like sun scald to me. That's usually you've got like a kind of a solid brown, you know, sunburn type looking thing to it, where these was had little specks all in the leaves and some discoloration. So, I think we got her on the right path. Yeah. Scale is an insect. Yes. How do we how do we determine that we have scale? What do we look for? Usually, you've got is is kind of a little buildup uh, on on the stems and sometimes under you know under the leaves as well. Quite uh, motley looking. It can be. I think it tends to be a little more grayish mm-hmm. uh, in in color. Uh, but it's you know it. It doesn't stand out like some of your other insects that you clearly can identify because it tends to be more a clumping together of them. It's not just a single scale uh, mm-hmm. there that's cause, causing the problems. Uh, and sometimes it looks like, can almost look like, you know, the bark is aging or something. So it, it's not until you <clears throat> see all of a sudden your leaves are not looking healthy and something's going on, sometimes people don't notice it. And usually at that point in time, you've got so much of it, it's going to take it's going to take some effort to get to get rid of it. Um, Is it like the white fly on the backside of the leaf? It, it's, mm-hmm. it can it can be like that, but it just tends to be as it's, it's more con, uh, I, I guess a grouping of them together that that you'll see. Uh, and then sometimes you run into the armored scale. There are different types of scale, and it's it's a lot more difficult to kill. You have to go to a different means of uh, kill. You just can't spray like uh, horticultural oil, which will do a pretty good job on the regular scale. It won't it won't kill the armored scale. So you got to get into a for real insecticide to get to get rid of those. Hmm. I've never had but one camellia die of a disease like that. Now I've had voles knock them down, right? Eat them off the. Not a roots off. I think that that camellias. I we had. Who, I don't know whether you were on that day or not, Gerald. Some woman called and said, "I'm having a, a new garden, a new yarn. What would you put?" And I I said, "Camellia, be damned to it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just to me, it, it it it's my favorite plant. Oh, that's a wonderful uh, the, plant. It's great looking leaf when they're not in bloom, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of a few sasanquas grow very slowly so not a lot of pruning maintenance required and then it's just a bonus of when they're in bloom a fabulous yeah. looking bloom uh so many to choose for different times of the year to bloom i they've made i think in the last 10 years a really big comeback a uh, part of the reason they've made a comeback there are more varieties that stay smaller now and these ever getting more compressed lots that houses right. are on I think that's that's important. Not have something that you know gets twelve or fifteen foot tall. 
Uh, but the, I, they, there are a lot more varieties available now than I think were 10 years ago, and a lot more newer varieties coming out. So I think camellias are on a, on a good comeback, and I, you know, there's lots of places and yards they can be used. And there, you need both in your yard, the japonicas. Yes, you, you, need, you, need, you need both, and you want them, I mean, to be where you could have them blooming from October now, and I like the uh, sinensis mm-hmm. variety, yep. which uh, is used to make tea, but uh, they, they kind of have a different look. The flowers are, are definitely not showy. They're not tiny. Not as attractive. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, I think they're they're interesting. I'm sure you have some of those, don't you? I have a big one. Mr. Secretary. Yeah. It must be 12 feet tall. And Have you ever made tea uh, with those? Well, I... I tried one time and it didn't taste very well. <laughs> well, you could have mixed it with something. I, I said, I think I'll uh, mix it. They are yeah. extremely hardy, too. And, of course, yeah. all camellias are pretty hardy here anyway, but yeah. that, that is a really tough one. You've got to be careful, though, if you're trying to plant them uh, in late spring or something like that because yeah, you, of— you can try to keep them alive through that first summer if you were, you know, like— the end of April or early May or something, planting them is I don't think is the best uh, decision. Now, if you were putting them somewhere uh, around a lawn that had irrigation, that might take some of the burden off yeah. of you. But they they are uh, a little slower to root, uh, and you wouldn't want to in sixty or ninety days after planting them really have to deal with our hot, sometimes dry summers. Yeah, it's amazing how those uh, they're not. They're not honeybees. What are those bees that just love them? You can count hundreds on them when mine starts blooming. Uh, maybe a carpenter bee? I don't know. I, don't know. I used to have a friend uh, we used to call sweat bee. but uh. Well, those, the, you know, so many of the camellias with the stamens have so much pollen there. That's probably okay. what's, what's bringing, drawing the attention do they need a lot of care for folks who are just thinking about them? I, I don't think so. Once you get one rooted and through that first summer of, of some possibly dry, warmer weather, I think sometimes people, uh, there are some of the camellias that don't do as well. You wouldn't want to put them in full hot afternoon sun, so you have to have a little care with that. But one of the bigger things is, you know, is to me it's, a, it, it's not quite like pl- planting crepe myrtles, but a little bit. Know what size it's going to be. <laughs> When you plant it. Don't put one in front of a window in front of your house. And you that's going to get fifteen foot tall. You know you might could get by there some that don't get but four foot tall. Right. Uh, there's some spreading camellias that you know get three to four foot tall and wider than that. There are more of those avail- available now than than were you know even ten or fifteen years ago. Uh, so that making sure about you know there's so many different sizes that camellias get at maturity. You need to be aware of that before you choose the place where you're going to plant it. But if you want an apple blossom, give yourself about 15 to 20 feet. Yeah, because most all of those are uh, in the Sasanqua family and are going to get pretty good, pretty good yeah. size. Yeah, you can trim and trim and trim, and you're going to lose a lot of. It's really not going to be. It's not really going to look right. It's it's not. It's a plant that you knock the tips out of them so they thicken up. But it's not one you cut half of it back every four or five years or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't respond and grow back out of that as well as some other yeah. other some yeah. of your and most plants do. Most plants don't, but uh, and that's surely one of them that does not. I noticed that my japonicas with that little 
warm spell we had. Mm-hmm. They're they're butted up real big right now. Yeah, I, ready to go. I've gotten where I use lots of camellias as the centerpieces in my planters uh, for winter now. Uh, and I've got some uh, behind the alumni center that will probably start blooming this week, starting to show some color in the buds on them uh, now. But I mean, it's nice to have a green plant; looks good. Yeah, they're not they can be bloom. very showy. And then when they bloom, it's just you know a showstopper, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a in a container. Let's talk to Peggy and Morrisville. Peggy, good morning. You're on WPTF. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I had some persimmons, the big ones that's bigger than an apple that was given to me. And I said, I've never had a persimmon tree. And so I planted the seed and they have come up to about five inches. And I wonder, am I ever, should I just throw them away or plant them in the ground? Well, you, what you've got, Peggy, is one of the Asian persimmons. Was the ones you had, were they more yellow or orange? Yeah, they kind of looked like tomatoes. Uh, yeah, they look like a tomato. Because, and they are not good until they get good and ripe. That, that is correct. There, there are a couple uh, cultivars that you see, and I don't. the only question is, I don't know off the top of my hand, I don't think it's a hybrid, and if it's not a hybrid, you may end up with something uh, out of the seeds that you have sprouted. Uh, but I suspect it's going to take a number of years before it would ever be up to a size to fruit. Uh, the good news is the Asian persimmons, the trees don't get humongous like the old small American persimmon, which has small fruit, but the trees can get really, really large. Yeah, I, I can remember how, as a child, that we looked forward to going down in the pasture that we had one down there. Yeah, this tree won't get like that. Most uh, a fully mature of most of the Asian varieties might would get the size of a dogwood tree, but it's not going to get you know thirty, forty, fifty foot tall like the old uh, American persimmon trees that we grew up with. And in the fall, when the leaves drop and it's still got those ripe fruit on it, because you need to leave the fruit on until it gets frost on them several times to knock that bitterness out of them, it's spectacular looking in the garden uh, with, with those yellow or orange, depending on the cultivar, hanging on there. It's really, uh, I have used them a number of places really as planting them as an ornamental tr- tree, and then just when they started fruiting, that just being a, a plus. Okay, out here in the country, we in the city limits, but I still got a lot of land. Of that, the squirrels eat them if you leave them on the trees. Uh, I don't know that that's as much uh, of a problem. I think more of a problem is once they get ripe and once you've had some frost on it. I think birds pecking at them is more of a damage maybe than squirrels are. Uh, don't linger once that has happened. Once you've had a couple of good frost on them, and go ahead and get them off uh, if you're if you're looking to consume them. Fuji is one of the varieties that you see a lot now. Uh, and was the one you had? Did it look yellow or was it clearly orange in color? Orange, orange, orange. It probably was uh, the the Fuji cultivar. Uh, and I'll have to look because I am not off the top of my head sure whether or not it's a hybrid what kind of soil would you plant it in this particular one that i got came from that the beach 
Uh, it needs to be good draining soil, but it doesn't have to be necessarily sandy like was probably at the beach. Uh, and they are not super overly picky, but it does want to be somewhere that drains well. Okay. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Peggy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up on WPTF. It's 826. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. We're back on WPTF at 835. Mike Rayley here along with Ann Clapp and the great Rufus Edmonston, the great Gerald Adams. I, I misspoke, Mike, to Peggy. It's Fuyu. I think I said Fuji for yeah. the uh, Asian persimmon, but it's F-Y-F-U-Y-U. Is the variety you and, and it's not a hybrid. Her thing should grow. Yeah, should grow on out. But I didn't ask her what size container she had it in. She definitely wants to move it to like maybe a three gallon pot, so to have plenty of room for the roots to spread uh, out as it's growing. There is a Fuji something. Yeah, well, I get them. You know, Fuji. an apple. apple. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. You can tell Rufus strolls uh-huh. through the farmers the, market. Yeah. Okay, uh, Steve is in Gardner. Hey, Steve, how you doing this morning? You feeling better? Oh, better than last week. I was in Good. the hospital recovering from surgery. Oh, wow. You called us from the hospital? No, no, no. I missed you guys. They wouldn't. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I hope you, well, we, we've had that before. Yeah, you have to think <laughs> ahead of time, and I didn't think about having the radio with me. Yeah. So, uh, what's going on? Well, just. Reflecting on the last 10 months that I've gone through, being a gardener has really helped me in the fact that I can look at things from a different perspective in the fact that watching things grow, I know things can come back. Yes. You watch things die back to the ground, and then every spring you're excited because you see the new growth coming up. The last 10 months have been a real struggle for me because I've had some real health issues. And I, it, you, you tend to look on the brighter side of things in the fact that I have found out that I don't have cancer. Great. I've found out that I had a real bad hyena hernia. Oh, that's my. I was in the hospital taking care of that. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have found out if I hadn't had these health issues. The frustrating part is I'm used to being out there every day. Right. Doing something in my garden, and I just don't have the energy to do it. So. Well, you need to plan. And, you know, during uh, wintertime, we, we do a lot of planning for the garden. Well, you can sit out there on the porch and look out there and say, well, I plan to move this. And yep. I plan yeah, that's right. And, and you look at that and say, well, let's see, I think I can get the shovel in the ground one time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate the, you guys, the information you pass along and, and the ability to, of giving us a chance to partake, you know, to give the, our information also. So. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's something that you couldn't do with uh, – with John Harris, John only had 15 minutes, and he had to send letters in. Uh, so we were—that's the first thing that was done when when John retired was to make it into a well, the a talk show. People an opportunity to share. Yeah, and we got letters, 
But uh, it's not the same as, as talking back and forth and right. getting immediate information like that. <clears throat> Y'all keep up the good work and pray for me. I've, I'm still healing. Yeah, but uh, it sounds like you're very lucky. You're very lucky. I know that doesn't feel like it right now, but, hey, uh, you know. One really nice thing that came out of this, they actually know I have a brain in my head. Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> Worked on your brain, too. Well, that's good. Did an MRI and made sure, and I do have a brain in my head. I am that's thankful for that. Know. It's all devoted to daylilies, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a mixed garden. That's good. I, I am not phobic. <laughs> well, that's good. I am. And uh, I also have a fifty-year heart, a fifty-year-old heart, and a sixty-eight-year-old body. So, very I'm good. Glad to hear that. That is wonderful. Well, All take right. take care, Steve, and and call us when you need us. Yeah, we'll listen. We'll keep listening to. All you. right, thank you. Great, Steve. Yeah, you, you kind Mr. Of, Mr. Curtis. I'll be glad about that. He is uh, listening. I, not a coincidence that Steve brings up that topic. Uh, just yesterday, I was talking with one of my employees. The Cooperative Extension has this horticultural therapy class that's coming up, I think sometime in uh, March, and it runs as a, as a series of, of, of classes about it, and uh, she's very interested in doing it. But I that, saw that, that through the Extension but service. Th- that's really, I think uh, – uh, there's so many people through all the tours I used to do at the governor's mansion that if it if I didn't want able to get out in my garden I'd just go crazy you know. Well, Rufus what, has told us that uh, after you you lost the governor's race that helped you. Oh, I, I had to have something. Yeah. I retired to my garden. Yeah. Good. And idea. then and then when I had that uh, terrible thing called Guillain-Barre syndrome that put me out for three months. The biggest thing in the world was to have have leave from Rex, uh, from uh, Wake Med to go visit my garden, which had fallen into great disregard because because Linda couldn't keep up with all of it. But just to be there and know that I would get back sometime to to share with what Steve said that the bounty of the land was was very healing. That there's there is no doubt about it. There's a good reason why gardening is still. The number one activity in America, I think. It's even more popular than Wordle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever that is. Uh, you Paul, don't do Wordle, Mike. I, I don't do games. I, st- I, I, I was reluctant yesterday to even play Candyland with my grandson. <laughs> so it's just uh, life is a game. You know, what I do every day is a game. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't need peripheral games. Uh, Paul, <laughs> Paul is uh, in Wake Forest. Hey, Paul. Good morning, friend. Yes, sir. What's going on? Uh, How can we help you? Well, we uh, sold our house, and we've got the leasing a little three-bedroom. And uh, I never liked oak trees, and guess where we got oodles of <laughs> Oak trees. Well. Uh. And I've got a lot of moss. Got no room for clover. I can't do a lot of digging in it. What can I do to uh, stimulate the moss? How can you distribute the moss? Is that what you said? Moss, M-O-S-S. Oh, uh, moss. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, those uh, those oak trees are part of the reason you have that. You, you need yeah. sunlight 
You need uh, a better pH. You need uh, aeration. Do you well, want... I want to stimulate the moss. Oh, you oh. want to make it? You want to? Uh, you want to make the moss? Uh, well, you need uh, buttermilk. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, something something along that line. Buttermilk is very acidic, and uh, moss likes acidic yeah. soil. You you do you want to keep lime away from it? Yeah. Lime is the one thing that you use if you're trying to get rid of moss. And that should be easier around here because we have yeah. fairly acidic soil. Generally speaking, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like you, Paul. I I want as much of my yard in moss as I can because I don't have to mow it. I, you, you know, go. it can be very, it can be very attractive, and and you could help it. You really can help it along. Keep not keeping it a little damp when we get into drier, hotter conditions helps a lot because that it can dry out and the heat contributes to that but if we go you know one of those two two and a half weeks without any moisture whatsoever that puts it under a lot of stress okay and it doesn't and take much uh, water I'm just to have my tomato plants my german johnson's in pots so yeah big big pots there you go yeah yeah you'll need a lot more s- sunlight for those now you can put your lime in there, though. Yeah, <laughs> at least six hours yeah. of sunlight for the tomatoes. Otherwise, they, the pots will develop moss. You don't have sunlight or uh, the lime. Well, I've got several spots in the yard that uh, I get good sunlight. That's good. That's good. Many well, people... I always enjoy listening to y'all every Saturday morning. Well, we're uh, Paul, you've been listening for a long time. We appreciate it very much, my friend. Yeah, y'all y'all have a great day. Thank you. You too. You have a good Bye. day. Bye. All right. Sam is with us in Raleigh. Sam, good morning. You're at WPTF and you sent us a photo of yeah, it uh be two, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me let me see if I got the other one. Uh I did see did see one. Let me find my mail here on my phone. And uh, the first first thing we saw was uh, lichens, okay. a type of lichen, which is good news. Yeah, really, they grow on the tree, not in to the tree. Won't hurt a thing. Okay. Okay. Won't well, hurt, not hurt the tree in any way. Then. In no shape, form, or fashion. Oh, will no. it hurt the tree. No. Okay, uh, because the, it's uh, they. They have to have a little bit of moisture. It's a fungus and an algae combination, uh, but they do not in any way uh, do anything detrimental to the tree. So the lichen is like the scaly-looking stuff, not the fuzzy thing that looks like Spanish moss? No, the fuzzy thing that looks like Spanish moss is the lichen. Okay. Mike, did you see the other one that looks like scale, like scales on a fish or something like that? I, I think that's basically the same thing. I think one has grown out more. Yeah, that looks like uh, Dr. Irwin Corey, who was a comedian. This looks like his top of his head. <laughs> Gerald has a. Is that a perplexed or yeah, a, that, or that, are you scared of what you're well, saying? The, the bigger thing, uh, the lichen was clearly on both sides of it. Yeah. The, yeah. That in the middle that's grown out looks like it could be six inches long or more. Yes, that's correct. Uh it's all over the trees and branches. I think you've been right. visited right. by a being from another planet. <laughs> That's right. That is a uh, science fiction movie. 
I got to do a little ciphering on that. <laughs> Sam. Goodness, can you see that? You sure that's not some kind of fern? Well, some you can. I don't know. It's uh, it's that is very very strange looking. Uh, that's why I called you guys. But I think <laughs> I think that it is probably in the same family as the lichen. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is my guess. W- one of the things you can do is see how easily it comes off the tree or not. Okay. Like putting your hand around it and just rotating. Usually mm-hmm. the, the smaller ones you see, you could kind of shuck it right off the tree most yeah. of the time. With this, I think I would pull it off and then run. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some in a Ziploc bag. No, no, don't, don't do that. We used to get bags of, of stuff like sure, that. Sure uh, John Harris did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't think either one's harming the tree? I don't think, but I'm going to do a little. Yeah, see, I'm looking at a picture right now, and I see another type of lichen that looks just like that. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. there. Does it's, this it, tell him that it does? Is this telling him that there is stress? Well, what is telling me? It is. It says there are three different types of lichens based on what they're looking for. Yeah, and one of them shows a thing that looks identical to the. Uh, what the second picture, Mike, with the bigger looking clump uh-huh. is. Yeah. Um, so, some t- I don't think it's as much about the stress sometimes as uh, where the tree is located at. Uh, well, it's be- in the middle of my front yard and it gets sun all day long. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the, the tree, the leaves, when they come out, everything looks pretty healthy otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gets beautiful pink whitish blooms like three four times a year middle of winter when we had the snow it came in and was full bloom so bloom well, this is a cherry tree yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah i i just off the top of my head i i'm not of aware of of any negative aspect of having them on the tree uh, uh that one that's larger is most definitely unusual looking uh but it's just a different type okay. uh because the they are like if you ever grow where orchids grow in the wild, they attach their roots around a tree and catch moisture, whether from heavy dew or rainfall, and that's how they survive. They do not penetrate through the bark of the tree trying to steal moisture and nutrients from the tree. Gotcha. How old is this cherry tree? It's about 20-plus eh, years. It's, <clears throat> not a large, it's not a large tree. Probably it's maximum height, maybe yeah. 12 feet. I don't know. The cherry trees don't last very long, do they, Gerald? I'm, and they can really get ragged. I, I always think about this tree out here on Highwoods that is an October, I mean, a fall blooming the cherry autumn, tree. Autumn cherry. Yeah, and it, it looks pretty raggedy, but it mm-hmm. keeps coming back. In fact, it was blooming just a few weeks ago. Yeah, this is just ornamental. It's yeah. well, it's a, when it's a full bloom and has all of its leaves, it's yeah. a pretty tree. Okay. When summer gets with the heat, it, it, it doesn't like the leaves start t- dropping, turning yellow and drop. I try to keep it warm right. as well. Yeah, they're different. When pe- when you think of something <clears throat> bad, mistletoe is the thing that is horrific on trees because okay. it's got to grow through a track, a crack in the wood, and actually goes down and robs moisture uh, and right. nutrients out of the tree. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things when you see that's uh, not a good thing. Uh, so you don't think this is mistletoe? It, no, oh, it's, no, def- no. it's De- definitely not mistletoe. Definitely not. It's, it's cl- definitely a lichen. There's no no 
question about that. It's just two different types. Sam, you don't know what mistletoe looks like? <laughs> you never shot one out of a tree with a shotgun? Uh, well, that's what not what I was when thinking. You, when you got skill, Rufus, you use a rifle. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I, I, I wasn't thinking about shooting it out of the tree. I was thinking about kissing. Well, that's how you get mistletoe out of a tree way up there. If you're good like Gerald with a rifle, 22, 22 hollow points. So going, going off on a semi-tangent, Sam, mistletoe, well, we do that. mistletoe used to be unbelievably difficult to find in Wake County. I mean, you could go through, you could walk through 100 acres of woods trying to find some. Yeah. After Hurricane Fran came through, and all that wind damage put cracks mm-hmm. in the trees and evidently yeah. blew the seeds up from wherever. There's yeah. you can ride through downtown Raleigh and every block see mistletoe growing in a big oak tree right. or something. Yeah. Somewhere yeah, it's some all of, over I everywhere. Some of the trees in the parking lot in the grocery store at the food line near you, my house actually. You, it's evergreen it's and you see it this time yeah. of the year in the deciduous years, it stands out like you had a spotlight. Right. Uh, on it uh so that is the good news that is definitely not good for a tree especially as more and more accumulates and in particular Mm -hmm. if it was a younger newer planted tree uh but the lichen's not going to cause any problems for you okay so i don't need to worry about it just have a nice day no i wouldn't worry about that don't need to worry about it okay as always thank you gentlemen hey thank you sam appreciate it buddy i appreciate it thank you care. more of the weekend gardener straight ahead it's 852 listening to the longest running gardening show on the radio it's the wptf weekend gardener with mike ann and rufus and we're joined today by gerald adams and mark is in clayton he's with us good morning mark we got about two and a half minutes good morning mike i hope you all are doing well yes sir doing great thank you how can we help you so i, I have a question about something but I'll, I'll tell you first i'm i'm headed to our hometown of nashville today oh my that's right mark uh where are you, what are you heading down there for? I am going to pick up uh, Cliff's brother, John. Uh, Cliff's a little older than I am, but John and I are lifelong friends, and we're headed to Oriental. You mean my friend Cliff Joyner? Yeah. Well. Mark, Mark called us one time and said, he, Mark, you've called us and said you knew you, uh, Cliff, right? No, yeah, somebody, yeah. El- somebody else, yeah. Yeah, and somebody uh, else called us recently and said they were in the the – grocery business and and dealt with cliff but uh boy cliff is getting a lot of publicity he is is. cliff and steve and uh in fact i took a sailing trip with steve last summer that's a whole nother story but anyway are you talking about Uh, steve moore no i know steve moore as well yeah i was talking about steve valentine oh oh yeah yeah steve lives down in beaufort yep yep he's a good friend of mine as well um I have a question about lantana. I love lantana. It is so pretty when it's blooming. Of course, in the wintertime, it, it doesn't do as well. So here's my question. Um, when is a proper time to plant it? And is, is that the best option for what I'm looking for? I love the beautiful colors in the when it's blooming. But then in the wintertime, it just kind of goes away. So I'm just looking for some advice. Well, I would, I would not plant it in a real... In a in a place that uh, you're going to see all the time, you know, you're not not right along your front walkway or something, really. Uh, 
Well, you, you need to make sure that you're planting the perennial versus the annual antenna. And there aren't many of those. No, there's not a lot of perennial <clears throat> ones. Most all of the perennial ones are the ones that get big. Miss Huff is the most famous with a little more orange and, and yellow and some red in it uh, that gets can get six foot tall. Uh, the ham and eggs uh, is another famous one with more pink uh, in it, and it only gets about three to four foot tall. And there's some other varieties. The Chapel Hill one most of the time will parentalize, uh, but the, all the little ones will not that get like 18 inches, 20 right, inches tall. Mark, we'll talk uh, more after the news uh, about Lantana okay. and other things. We'll also talk to Don.